You can carry on if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the middle of something there, yeah. We're talking about um, a lot of people who are fans of this band are delightful individuals. And uh, just an absolute joy to, to have to deal with. I think all the on our group are really nice people and just delightful. But you kind of run. There are there are people who you know who maybe kind of go the other way and are a bit you know not as delightful to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get it, man. I, I I really don't get it. I mean, sometimes it seems like so absurd, so absurd. Bad in the in the maiden scene though has it really? I mean, it's like uh, we got the nerds group, the Sweden nerds group, but we already gave them some of our crap, so we're we're not gonna go back there. But I mean, that group is basically it's it's a proper nerds group in terms of they post a picture of a beer and that's all they want really. Like it's a more of a status quo. Like what we try and do, I think, is arguably even nerdier, but also more oh, yeah, bearable. Yeah. It's more bearable because it's more fun and we put more effort, I think, into mm-hmm. it. I think we're more forgiving about if someone doesn't know something or someone hasn't been, you know, like, 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 you know, we, 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 I wouldn't get like annoyed with someone if they don't agree with me or they, or they don't have the thing or they don't know the thing. I think that's, that's fine. Isn't that the point of doing it? If we thought we knew everything. There are different well. approaches to it, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, we're guessing most of the time, guessing qualified guesses, and then yeah. <laughs> if we're wrong, if we're wrong, the good thing is someone will tell us. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's the whole very, point. Yeah. Even even my in my own book, uh, uh, at the very end, I always say like every time, and this has a, a, a name. It's like I don't know, but every time you went out with some kind of information, new information will suddenly appear. That will make you like uh, I don't know, in my case rewrite certain things I've said or 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 whatever. But that's good. I mean, that's the way we learn. If someone comes and says, "No, you're wrong because this or this or this," oh, cool. Now I know something. Actually, it's the fastest way to learn. I think. I think I said that exactly. before because I don't exactly. have any shame in like uh, asking a stupid question or saying something that I'm, it's not completely, you know, um, uh, I guess covered by fact or uh, yeah you know, eric will uh, yeah yeah eric will have less like wild guesses but uh, you have your share too right oh yeah definitely but also isn't it like the th- i mean if you look in this history of this podcast we've had guests from you know all, all over the world from various different sort of ver- all kinds of walks of life presumably we're gonna have very different views and stuff and um have uh you know different experiences and different so obviously the information that's going to be sort of accumulated accumulated is going to be very you know different and other because and that's sort of the fun of it i think um and then you know then then there's, there's also stuff that is just you know that the straight up like facts and numbers and stuff you know we're not necessarily the best at that that we don't have to be the best at that because we have people who tend to be on the pod who are pretty good at that like you know, like henrik and matthias are really good at you know you know really good yeah. at just the nitty-gritty just numbers and stuff Especially Henrik. I mean, Matthias is the, he's the double double sided version of it. You know, he's got yeah, the yeah. emotional bit and the numbers game as well. No, the marching bird summer special. There we go. <laughs> All right, should I should I uh, should I enter the things so we can just get going? Yeah, we can do that. All right.
Maiden A to Z, innit? Okay, hello and welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric, and uh, with me, uh, directly underneath me on the screen here, is my co-host Jonathan. Yeah, directly uh, north of you in Stockholm, mm-hmm. directly underneath on the screen. Very good. Very good. And we have with us uh, a name that I think a lot of people are going to recognize um, from the Maiden sort of uh, online sort of world. He's written the. You've probably seen his books all sort of in various groups and whatnot. I mean, um, uh, and he can tell the story behind that better than, than I'm going to be able to do at the moment. So let's just introduce the gentleman. I'm going to try not to butcher your name in the pronunciations. I'm going to give it a go. So Luis Mariano Rodriguez Rojas. Excellent. There you go. <laughs> there, you go. Ha, there you go. Sometimes going to. So yes, welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's a really, really, really good pleasure here. I've mentioned on this show quite a, a few times, especially by Henrik and, and Matthias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, yeah. Finally, time to go straight to the source this time, straight <laughs> to the details. And yeah. I think it's the uh, first um, South American representative to join the show, even though you're in Europe, like us, tonight, right? But uh, yep. originally from Venezuela, I'm right. Yeah. Am I right? I should say. You are. <laughs> so let's, uh, we usually do a thing with new guests uh, where they sort of find out their sort of ma- you know, maiden origin story, how you sort of got into the band, and that's your experience of that. So let's, let's kick off with that. So, so how, did you, how did you get into the, what, what is your sort of, how did you first encounter Iron Maiden? Well, my first encounter with Iron Maiden happened in 1981. I was just six years old, hmm. and I was going through a, a, a record store, a very, very, very big record store. It was like, I don't know, like a whole block was huge in, in this uh, mall in Venezuela. Uh, and my father that day said, okay, kids, I have, I have a big brother. And they, he said, okay, kids, go and get whatever you want. Hmm. Uh, whatever record you want, you're going to get. So I was going through the aisle, and of course, I go to the heavy metal uh, aisle because they have, uh, those used to have, uh, still have, uh, the greatest cover. Uh, yeah. I, I, I wasn't a, a heavy metal fanatic at all. Uh, the only band I really liked uh, at that time was Van Halen because of certain songs. Great but band, I, I couldn't say I was uh, a fan at all. Uh, so of course I go through the aisles, I rummage through the, the, the records and then, uh, the debut album, Iron Maiden, uh, appears. So I go and grab the album and went to the, to, to the front of the store and I tell my dad, this is the record I want. And my father, and my father went like, uh, um, uh, 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 I saw my mom. And my mom was like, kind of, oh no, what's that? No, no, you cannot get that. And so, well, being so young yet, uh, and uh, the music in my house was basically uh, what my my folks used to listen. So, uh, yeah, I, I I kept finding made in uh, in different ways. Uh, these guys older than me in school used to have uh, peace of mind and mm. and the number of the bees. And I was always attracted by the, the image. Uh, but I haven't actually listened to Iron Maiden. Uh, I kind of remember listening to Run to the Hills, but that was it. Yeah. Uh, so fast forward to 1990, I was going to become a, a 18 years old. And I said, okay, 
uh, I'm going to buy myself a record. And I have decided to buy Iron Maiden. So I went to, a, to, to this store and they had just released like days ago, uh, No Prayer for a Giant. So that's what I got. Mm. Uh, when I haven't actually listened anything <laughs> or, or much of, of Iron Maiden. So Still. I went to my house. Yeah. <laughs> nine years. We're nine years into the story and you haven't heard the band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that true? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. This is a new one. This is a new one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, above the record, uh, um, a vinyl, of course. And mm. I put the record on and it started and I thought it was good. I didn't thought it was great. That's mm. good. And I said, mm, I'm not sure if I like it that much. Uh, so I'm going to give it another try. So a week passed and I went to the same record store and I bought Somewhere in Time because of the cover once again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I go to my house, put the, the record on, uh, cut Somewhere in Time starts and I still wasn't convinced. Second track, Wasted Years. And uh, as I used to say, uh, I was Maidenized. Uh, Maidenized. Maidenized. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. Very good song. Strong song. Oh my God. What the hell is this? No. Yeah. 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 Mm. Oh man, and, and then uh, uh, the loneliness of the longest runner and Sea of Madness. And, yeah. 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 The whole record. I actually remember listening to that record that day like four times, over and over and over and again. Nice. And so that was that was it. And I said, oh, okay, now uh, I'm gonna, I need to have everything from this band, everything. <laughs> so I started buying literally every piece of music from Iron Maiden I could find. Luckily, they just uh, uh, had released also the, the first year's collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one with, uh, so, it was all the videos on VHS, but there was also a ton of. Uh, Vinyl 12 inch, right? Like du- uh, double uh, singles kind of thing, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. yeah with, so, with that little sticker in the corner on all. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah exactly. I remember. So I anyway. actually got the VHS when I was a kid, but I didn't know about uh, <laughs> the, vi- the existence of those vinyl back then. Really? But I did have the VHS, oh, yeah. so I watched all those, uh, well, not so great videos, but uh, yeah. you know, it was still awesome to watch Maiden on the, te- on the TV downstairs. Oh. You know? Yeah. Of course. So anyway, did you get the uh, the vinyl uh, ten years, or did you get the video? The CDs. I bought the CDs. 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 Okay. E- every every week, because if you remember, they started releasing in and uh, very. Uh, I think it was the last day of February, and every week they used to release uh, a, a new CD, a new single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can come so every week, I uh, just. But one and another and another and another and another, and that's the how, how I I uh, got to listen for the first time to Paul Diano, mm. uh, and that actually was like another um, 
uh, uh, like a, a new point in history of my history in, uh, with Iron Maiden because uh, I said, who is this guy? Uh, how can a band be this great, have uh, uh, like another singer, and why wasn't why wasn't the singer uh, still on band? I mean, what happened mm. to him? So that started a whole new thing with Maiden. Uh, I I said, uh, okay, I want to find out more about the history of this band. So I started buying like um, magazines and trying to find uh, more information about them, uh, books, whatever books there were at that time. Yeah, uh, by then, uh, they just had uh, Running Free by Gary Boschel. Yeah. So, yeah, I got that book, uh, and I started reading and reading and reading and reading, and I always remember that, that uh, uh, I thought there are jumps in the story, you know? Like, it, 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 when you read that, that first book, and, and, and even today, uh, what, and that's one of the reasons why I did my book. Um, when you read the official things, uh, you kind of notice, like, yeah, they started in whatever. Some say in May, some say in June, some say that December 25, uh, 1976. Uh, but always, the first years of the band are always like, Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, it happened, happened, happened. I was trying to, like, I, I want to feel the whole, you know? I want to feel the holes in the story. So, yeah, I started, like, collecting things and buying and buying and buying and buying and buying. And, buying. and that's how uh, I started learning about the history of the band. And eventually, two years later, when I started, like, since i would become a... Uh, Another Maiden fan. I was on a holiday in Miami, returning to Venezuela, and I was sitting in in, in my in my seat in the plane. A very good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, welcome. This guy walks into the plane with a with a shirt that had a, a small tag that read "No Player on the Road." And I read that, and I said, hmm, "That's strange. I haven't seen that T-shirt." No, they have no Eddie, uh, just a no player on the road. So my mom says, oh, son, is that one of the guys of Fair Maiden? And I said, mom, do you believe that I wouldn't know a guy, a, one of the guys from Iron Maiden by now? Because in two years, I become less like huge fan. Hmm. So I'm starting the love. And I said, can you say? And my mom said, are you sure? And I said, mom, of course I'm sure. What do you mean? And like 10 minutes Past, and I will look uh, uh, to the front of the plane, and then Dave Murray walks in. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my god, oh my god. And, and then I said to my mom, well, that guy that just passed us isn't from my Romania, but that guy is from my Romania. <laughs> and, and I was, yeah, yeah. I was all these stars. And probably the other guy was was from my Romania, but uh, he was from the extended. Team, you know, Iron yeah, Maiden, exactly. uh, as you know by now, of course, Iron Maiden is uh, quite a few guys. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> exactly. that would include all the exactly. roadies and, and so on in the, yeah. in, in the larger yeah. extended Iron Maiden, you could say. So, probably yeah, was uh, take. maybe Dave's take, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but then, uh, then the, I was totally starstruck, and then Janet Gers walks in around the world with a backpack on a <laughs> apple, nice, and a bottle of water. <laughs> so, it, it was like. 
yeah, it was so crazy. Uh, so, so, so crazy. So eventually, uh, uh, my niece stopped trembling, <laughs> I must say. And oh, yeah, I okay, to, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I was totally did you Did you start that. thinking, like, what I'm going to do about this? I'm going to uh, approach them because they're stuck in yeah. that plane with you. <laughs> you know, they can't go anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The first thing I thought it was, uh, I'm going to ask his autograph, and I'm going to take a picture, and that yeah. will be it. Right. <laughs> I'm laughing because my brother always jokes around with this. Uh, so I go and walk to uh, to Dave first, to Dave, and I said, <laughs> like, I tried from talking to, to the monkey. I said, you, Dave Murray, me, big fan, big nice. me. <laughs> yeah, it's very clear, though. It's very clear. All the information is right there. Excuse me, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, they smiles because they smiles. that's what we do. <laughs> he smiles, and then he is. says, "Yeah, sure, take a picture." Uh, I take a picture, and I probably I said like three or four stupid things. I really don't remember. <laughs> that to me, that's I want to play the young people. I want to play the people. I think this music's vital and it's vibrant and it's it's organic. It's growing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not an '80s throwback. It's not something. You don't come to a maiden concert to relive your past youth. So I wanna, I wanna visualize this properly. You take a picture, sure, but is he seated, in, or are you in the aisle of the plane, or? He's sitting. He's sitting already. He's, he's sitting. sitting. So you move in towards his seat, uh, try yeah. to squeeze yourself in, right? And <laughs> it's, it's, it's just an interesting scene to try and visualize in detail, right? Because uh, it's a, a plane is not the most comfortable place to mingle, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was sitting right, right beside the, uh, the aisle. Are you saying that? Yeah. So yeah. I, okay. I, yeah, that makes I, it easier. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to move past his te his tech and then <laughs> like squeeze yeah, him. I, and <laughs> I didn't put it in his <laughs> Right. Right. That's cool. So yeah, I said those were three or four stupid things, and I said, Jesus, I just made a fool of myself. <laughs> so I went back to my seat and I said, um, Okay, I have to uh, uh, calm down and go to talk to Janet. Uh, <laughs> round two, <laughs> round yeah. two coming up. Yeah. Regroup. I stood up again and went to Janet, and 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 I I, I was more articulate when I'm talking to him. Very more rehearsed. Helpful. It was a second yeah. second sh second show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, we, and, and we ended and we ended up talking like twenty minutes. That's great. Yeah, it was. He's. He, I, I've talked to him like uh, four more times, and he's always, always so, such a kind person. He loves to talk. He, he's really open. He's very friendly. So, yeah, that, that was it. That was my first encounter with, with guys of Iron Maiden. Of course, I went to the concert because that's what the, what, that was the reason they were on the plane. They were going to visit Venezuela for the first time. And coming in from Miami, right? Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 that's cool. Actually, I, I will, I will give a small uh, fill in here just to, uh, to kind of strengthen your Janik uh, praise because we, unfortunately, I haven't met the guys, but we had the talk yeah. last summer with Henrik, Matthias, and uh, John Gaffney, who is in Florida actually, not in Miami, yeah. but in Florida, and he asked us for his channel, who would you like to meet? And uh, I, I choose Janik. I was hmm. quite sure that would be the most, f you know, easy and fun hang for me. In general, so um, 
I, I, probably, you know, I, I was onto something there because I've heard that yeah. from not, not only from you, but from anyone that has met him, that he's super, you know, easy to hang out with and quite um, down to earth. That's what yes. I heard. Or actually really down to earth is what I've heard. <laughs> and I agree you, with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I, I've talked to, well, the, the only guy I haven't met in person is Steve Harris. Okay. Nico uh, can be really, really funny and easygoing, or he can be really, really harsh. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> that too. Yeah, yeah. I, I met him three times. Mm -hmm. uh, the first time, uh, yeah, the first time was in Bubble Club. When in 2008, when they were filming the the Flight 66 documentary, all right, I met him in in his hotel. Uh, well, actually, the whole band was staying there, and the crew. Uh, uh, and I also talked with him like 20 minutes, and we were talking, like we were in the. Uh, there was nobody around us. We were talking like super easy going, and then this guy from the crew comes and, and tells him like something in his ear about some pills or vitamins or something like that. And Nico got so furious, furious because he, this guy interrupted him. He got furious. Huh. I mean, he turned around and said, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to read it. Blah, 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 blah. Can you see I'm talking? Blah, 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 blah. He got so mad, so, so mad that the guy like <laughs> just... <laughs> Went right out of there. That, that I mean, the, the the crew guy, and I was left like, uh, what just happened? Like, so so it was so crazy, and and that was basically the end of the conversation because it was, it, it was <laughs> yeah yeah. It, it, I mean, this guy was so mad that I said I ain't gonna ask anything stupid. I don't. I I, I think I I got my twenty minutes. Fun and that was it. Yeah, yeah. And now we can all speculate what were those medicines? What were those pills about? <laughs> you know? yeah, I don't know. Feel oh, free man, to speculate forever, but who knows? Maybe it was nothing. Yeah. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe it's just like it got interrupted. You know, some some people yeah. that have that social outgoing thing that Nico has. You know, sometimes it's yeah. not for free. You know, yeah, it, yeah, it, it yeah. takes some. It takes a bit of energy to keep it up and a bit of momentum. So uh, yeah, that, could, yeah. that could explain it, maybe, or you know, just a. Uh, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, a moody guy. Was, <laughs> I think it was just like, like something in the moment because we were right, right. we were really enjoying the moment. I mean, this, this, you know, sometimes, and I do get it. Uh, sometimes when you meet one of the band members or, or a musician or, or someone like you really admire, mm. uh, you tend to be like this in your face fan, you know, like, oh man, you're the greatest yeah. thing. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, because you've spent so many hours, you know, hours and or a thousand hours perhaps listening to them. So you you feel like you know them, but yeah, they, exactly. they, exactly. they can only hope to, to seem like they know you. Yeah, Eric? It's a strange dynamic because like, like you just sort of said, you, you know them basically, and you spent hours sort of pouring over every little note they played, and you know them from interviews, and you can sort of like you feel like they're almost like friends of yours in a certain extent because you know them very well. And then they obviously know nothing about you, so you sort of come in with the enthusiasm of seeing like someone you've wanted to meet for a while, and they, you know they don't know who you are, and it's not not, not it's not anything personal per se, but they just they they, yeah. they wouldn't have that same sort of enthusiasm since they don't you know necessarily since they don't know who you know they don't know who you are. 
Uh, Actually, I have a question for you, though, Eric, that right. just came yeah. to my mind before I forget it, because yeah. uh, Luis told us that um, knowing or getting um, getting to know that Paul Diano had been in the band set mm. him off on that kind of hunt to to know more details about the band. Yeah. Details, uh, word choice is, is important. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I actually never asked you, when did you start and want to actually know things about this band? Not Because we talked about when we fell in love with the music mm. and so on, for shows and everything. But do you remember at some point? Yeah, it like, was, I'm going to uh, try and figure same, out. It was that same um, that same summer where we had the, the 2000 gig. Uh, and that's sort of from there I kind of... Uh, any little scrap of info, like, I mean, nowadays it's so readily available. I could, I could do that for you, but, but then it was just sort of like, you know, Oh, they're on a magazine. And I remember like, it was a big deal. Like, so there, there was a big article about them in like the local Swedish paper. And I bought that and like probably read every like word, like a gazillion times. That's what I had. And that's sort of, that's sort of how you, you sort of piece things together along the way. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, I think I bought the, um, I eventually bought the run to the, uh, no, we're so running free. No, run of the hills. Right. That's the official. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I that, call, yeah, yeah, I bought call, that yeah. one the 2005, uh, 2005, I think. But at that point, I sort of obviously knew quite a bit just from, you know, there, there, you know, there was internet wasn't what it is now, but it was definitely there. And I, there, you know, there, you know, from various rock magazines and stuff. But I think sort of my fascination, um, and me wanting to learn more started fairly around the same time when I sort of, uh, you know, really sort of got into the band. Um, yeah. yeah, the same here. And I think it's like Henrik said, symptomatic. If you get into yeah. this band, very quickly you will want to learn. And for me, it was just like watching the, the, the actually the band photography in, in Brave New World and not knowing who the six guys actually were, except for Bruce and Steve. So I start, start trying to figure that out. And my cousin, my slightly younger cousin, often mentioned that got me into the band because he liked the monster drawings and stuff. He also like gave me some some information about Blaze, and then we could see the uh, Niflheim brothers on uh, Swedish television meeting Blaze. And okay, they got this singer here, and they got another singer there. And then I don't know f- exactly when, but like you guys, very quickly after starting listening, this whole thing about knowing stuff about the band came very yeah. central. And I would say it doesn't happen with every band. Some bands I just listen to, and I don't know much at all about them i tend to know like the the players and the principal writers but with maiden it's a whole different story so uh yeah yeah. i can understand how you set off to do what you've done with those the great detail uh you know it makes sense yeah yeah. and and what 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 you guys say and and, and eric said uh the internet because that that was the uh the third step in my in my in my story with, with iron maiden uh, once I got internet in my house, it, that was it. I mean, that, that was like the final step. Uh, because I remember, I remember there were, there were a, a very big amount of, of, of uh, fan pages out there. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and some of them, uh, had really, really good information. Like, uh, and, and I remember I visited this, this one that had, um, uh, a scan of the tour books. Oh, and no. that was it. In the tour books, you could actually—it it was not only the images, but it, it was also more information. So I, I, I found those. I said, "Oh my God, I have to—I have to know everything about what what they have inside." So that's it. I started visiting like there's so many the, 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 this big amount of internet pages about Iron Maiden, 
and started collecting information. That, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was the other the, the other piece of, of thing. I started printing like like the the, the, the pages or, or, or the text that, that that was interested and started like like saving it in, in this uh, folder. And eventually, I started like uh, writing a notebook about the the, the I wrote the, the the lyrics from mm. the first two albums because those albums back then didn't have lyrics with within. Uh, oh, they didn't so, have lyrics. The the no. CDs. Ah, okay. Because no, uh, no, uh, now that no, I think no. about it, you know, the '98 when I got into the band, I was 12 in 1998. They had a lot of information those booklets so that's also a thing right yeah. like, that really yeah, yeah. instantly sent me on the hunt because it was a lot of info like in comes new drummer life in maiden is never the same again it's like okay that's something you say i guess you know and uh, reading that uh -huh. and uh -huh. life after death uh -huh. with uh, birch's e little uh, essay or whatever you would call that oh, birch's, yeah, right. Uh, right, right. Talking about the, the recording of the album yeah yeah exactly so i think that's started a lot not only actually maiden interest but as an interest in how you do music and how, how about the music mm. business and everything so those 98 booklets very good resources for me yeah yeah i almost i forget about them sometimes but and then i bring them out and there's a lot of info in there uh, funny thing is the the um, the first album that the that made him put out that had lyrics in uh on my time remember uh, i was born in, in 1974 so mm. Yeah, so the CDs they would basically the, just the be. The first uh, CDs were really expensive, mm -hmm. so uh, they were like imports because we need to. Uh, obviously, we haven't been to Venezuela. Most uh, listeners probably haven't. Was it like imports or was it like? Uh, no, because no, I've actually, seen all these like collectors' items, you know, like uh, yeah. Uruguay Press or uh, uh -huh, something like uh -huh. that, and it's you know with the Spanish titles. Often yeah, too, yeah. yeah. So I remember some of those Spanish titles. Actually, I like the Spanish titles. Sometimes they're really fun, <laughs> yeah. and I do, I do, I do speak a little funny. bit of Spanish, so I understand oh, them, yeah. and it's it's fun to see them. Yeah, yeah it's actually on on the back. I don't know if it was in your case if it was like this, but I've seen a few releases where on the back, all translated titles. Very fun. Yeah, <laughs> no, in Venezuela that doesn't happen. Uh, I mean, they, they they printed the the English titles outside. And on the and the, on the um, on the sticker inside uh, in the center of the vinyl, uh, sometimes you will get the 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 name of the song in English, and in in, in besides it, you have the name in Spanish. Ah, okay. So that, like, uh... that, uh, EMI actually printed uh, and pressed vinyls in Venezuela, so okay. they, they were already available. But uh, well, as I was say, uh, as I was saying, uh, Iron Maiden and Killers didn't have a, a, a lyric uh, mm -hmm. sheet. So that and, and and since I bought them, I didn't have the lyrics. So what I did is I was uh, I grabbed this notebook and started uh, like trying to copy uh, to to write down what what where the lyrics of the song. Mm. So that's how. The, the 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 whole notebook started. I started like uh, saving, and it was literally a notebook. <laughs> literally yeah. a notebook. That's know? cool. That's really cool. That's a, it, it, it's funny to imagine it, but I started like copying everything, like the credits and the albums and stuff, printing of the web pages, collecting things and things and things and things and things and things, and that kept going. Uh, I kind of still do it. 
I, I guess we, we can touch this, this part of the story because uh, like about like uh, I married my, my wife like seven years ago, almost eight. Mm-hmm. And she knew I, I had this huge collector collection of paper, you know, information about my remainder. The notebook information and all this stuff for my own taste, for my own keeping, like huge. And then my wife said uh, one day, uh, you should do something with this. And I said, really? Do you think so? Yeah, the, the, the amount of information is crazy. I mean, you've been doing this like for 30 years. You should put something out. And I said, mm, are you sure? Do you think uh, people will be interested? Yeah, sure. She said, okay, I promise that the next year, this happened like five years ago. Probably next year, you're going to publish something. And I said, oh, I will. So I went and put out my, what was the, the, my first ebook, which was called Detailed Discovery of the Beast. So, like a PDF? Exactly, a PDF. Yeah. It was right at the beginning of December. And I remember I was, um, I was buying presents for my family. And I started getting requests for the books over and 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 over. And I was like, like with my phone, sending people the, the PDF and sending, and sending, 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 <laughs> sending. And t- having to tell people like, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I ain't home right now. I'm going to send it. Don't worry. I got the money, blah, 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 blah. So I said, hmm, I think I got something here. And I received like really, really great comments. So, wow, okay. So I decided to, I'm going to do a, a, a second kind of book because I couldn't just put every little piece of information I had in, the, in that the, the detailed discovery of the beast, which was uh, pretty much. So I said, I'm going to put another story, uh, another book which tells the story of Iron Maiden as the way I know it. So I did that, and it was the same. Like people like, yeah, I want it, want it, want it, want it, want it, want it. And I said, okay. When I was in the middle of, of this sales thing, I said, I think I wanna, I want to, to publish something. Ah, because people uh, started asking, like, I want paper, you know, I want the physical thing. A book, a real book. Yeah, yeah. a real book. So I said, okay, uh, I'm gonna do it, but. I have to do it on my own, my own way. So I said, I'm going to start interviewing people actually there when the, the story happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's always a good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So firsthand experience, right? Yeah. So that's how it started. I started like, uh, contacting people like secretary at the fan club. Uh, eventually oh, yeah. I contacted Neil K. Uh, I talked to Dennis Wilcock when he came out of the of, of the of, of the secret places he were in between, and that was it. I, I, every time I started talking to some to someone who related to the band, and it wasn't good, I started to trying to talk to another and another and another and another, and eventually um, those guys uh, tell one not, uh, each other who I was. So uh, I gained their trust, and that's how basically the third book, the, the the first actual physical book came to be. So yeah, that's that's it. That that basically it took me like I don't know an hour to tell my complete story about how how I became an Iron Maiden fan. 
<laughs> it's very interesting to kind of follow up how you get into that madness that is very like it's hard to explain to a non-maiden fan yeah yeah it's not as hard to explain to a maiden fan it kind of no. makes sense to most oh, yeah. fans yeah. that this is what you you sent off on this goose chase right this goose hunt mm-hmm. very quickly but uh, we are going to go back we're going to go back cool. to uh, 81 to killers again and uh, this song we usually when we tackle a song we go for the early experiences and maybe a, a quick recap on like how the if if and how the song changed in your life and uh, purgatory is uh, is quite a tune you know i think it's uh, one of the best songs uh, it's a cool track with a lot of energy melody and uh, quite shifting parts mm-hmm. as well very action packed and i think i i mean a lot of songs I've changed my mind on several times, but I think Purgatory, I just always love this track. So I don't have that much to elaborate in terms of my history with the song. Uh, but what about you guys with Purgatory specifically? I loved it right away. Um, I think I didn't really give it enough attention. Sorry, I say, rather I'll say I didn't give enough attention initially on my first like listen through because there's so much else going on uh, on that album. And then I, and I think actually it was actually Mr. Kerry King. Uh, who mentioned the song in a, in like a guitar hero, not guitar, hero, guitar world magazine. And the deal was he was mentioning, like he was doing like you know, the pick five songs that you, you know, something, something. And he never, every song he mentioned, he somehow was able to revert it back to how it somehow pertained to him. And, and, and I know that's sort of the point, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it was more in a way he was sort of bringing it up, like in every sort of, of the five, he was able to bring, t- mention the song, mention how this is the best song the band had done. They don't really do any stuff, all the stuff he likes, and that Slayer is a lot better. And he did this as well. Um, but uh, actually, in <laughs> Japanese TV, I will add, he also put his own band in uh, in his top five. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go toot my own horn. And he did put uh, Phantom of the Opera there. Because, I mean, I'm right, a oh. big fan of Early Maiden, yeah. obviously. But yeah, because he, he mentioned that he said something about how this is like. Sort of t- touching some dark subject matter, and that's not something Iron Maiden do very well, which I do not. I, I don't know. Shadows on the cast, sort of clutching at my head. But to the darkness, I believe. Mm, they always said, do that, right? Yeah, but he said, <laughs> they said, you know, we don't really do that very well, uh, you know, like we do in Slayer. And like, all right, well, fine, great. Anyway, that's uh, <laughs> <Less> character. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was him just literally, just like, you know, yeah. Anyway, but that, that sort of made me want to pay attention to the song a little more. So I revisited. I sort of just paid a little more attention to it and like, oh my God, this is, this is great. Pretty much the same as, as, as you. Uh, uh, once I got uh, Killers, I thought it was a great album. And yeah, Predatory is a catchy song. I mean, it, 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 really, it really jumped out at you, you know? It, it, that, that, that repeating uh, call. Uh, it, it, and yeah, I loved it. I loved it. From the first time, I loved it. That was basically it. Which uh, repeating part would you refer to there? The um, please take me away, take me away, so far away, so far away. Ah, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh-huh. like the chorus, basically, it's, yeah. it's a very anthemic chorus, right? With that, it has the D minor um, uh, thing going, uh, by, uh, because it's the oh, another time, another place, oh, that thing as well. So it's a, a lot of hooks in a short time. Exactly. But this is a typical song where we have to go back to the 70s history as well, with uh, what I believe yeah. was called floating yeah. and sounded ways different. Yep. Yeah. 
probably not written by Harris. I wouldn't think, but uh, uh, I think you can fill us in. Yeah, uh, that song actually was written by Harris. We have to remember this. And this came out from the mouth of his first girlfriend, Sue Gornall, which whom I talked uh, for the book, for the, the, the Eddie Made Me Do It book. Uh, when Harry was like 15, 16 years old, he was a huge fan of horror novels of, uh, of Hammer, uh, Hammer... The Hammer horror we, films? Yeah, 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 yeah. We mentioned before, because yeah, in, in Phantom of the Opera, we mentioned that, or John Gaffney, our friend, yeah. and sometimes co-host mentioned that it was probably based more so on the Hammer horror Phantom mm -hmm. of the Opera yeah. than Andrew Lloyd Webber Phantom of the Opera. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that, that was uh, his love. He, he loved uh, those uh, mystery and horror novels. Uh, he grew up with them. So that's why, uh, and we can actually see it, that why his first songs all revolve around like horror themes. Yep. Yeah. The first time that Maiden was uh, advertised or, or got a comment on the Sound ma Sounds magazine, was in 1977, and one of the descriptions the band uh, is given is horror rock. Horror rock. Yeah, all of the themes back then had something to do kind of with, with horror. Uh, this comes out of the mouth of Poliano. He, he told uh, once in, in 81 this. The, the whole uh, story about it is like of this guy that dies, he stays floating. Floating? Floating in purgatory. Mm -hmm. Purgatory isn't mentioned in the song. Is this guy floating nowhere? Floating up beside you. That thing, yeah. right? And, 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 and he, ha he hasn't gone to heaven. He hasn't gone to hell. So he's floating. He's staying around like in, on, on earth. He's somewhere. Another time, another place. You know? No, no, no. Another time, another place. You know? Mm. Like a stuck in and in between, I guess, could be the meaning of purgatory. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think sometimes uh, me and Eric said that purgatory is when you have to, you can't enter the bar, so you have to walk mm -hmm. around the block to sober up. <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to go straight home. You can actually just walk around the block. The, the bouncer is fine with that. That's a small little, very nice purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, written uh, between January and April and from 1976. 76. Very early. I found a 77 version. That's all I had, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, quite a short clip, but of course yeah. you can hear the riffs in a way lower tempo and with a much different groove to them. Yeah, quite far away from that sort of metal groove that they found in the in the upsped version. Maybe they were inspired by Priest or Motorhead. I think could be the case when they decided to speed it up. Yeah.
you think this is a Steve idea, musically yeah. speaking? Is this his uh, music, yes. or is it some yes, other yes. guitarist, or is it Wilcox involved? Or because it's always a mess with these early tunes in terms of claiming, you know, the uh, ownership of the music. Yeah, yeah. There's another interesting thing about the, the, this version, particularly because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Harris always says like he grew up and and the the, the idea behind Maiden was like uh, Genesis and. Uh, the Who and Wishbone Ash, yeah, Wishbone Ash and stuff. Uh, but he, I don't know, I haven't read nowhere. Uh, and that, that he also grew up liking, uh, like, uh, yeah, like reggae music, right before, right before, did he, he, though, got did he like reggae music? Yeah. <laughs> that's cool right. if you did yeah. because this song yeah. definitely has the backbeat going right mm, ta, yeah, ta, yeah that, that, mm, that's ta. how you bring it up you know right it, 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 right, uh, uh, he, he, right before he got into prog rock mm-hmm. he used to uh, he used to listen to reggae um, he liked it he liked it so uh, you kind of hear the influence of not reggae because but, but you know that that, that guitar That guitar thing, like it has a groove. It has a backbeat. Yeah. 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 He liked it. Another time, another time. You know? Yeah. Another time, another time. (laughs) You know? But not full on reggae, could be even classic rock. But uh, actually, the first time I heard this version, my initial thought was, "Oh, this is a reggae version." So you know, uh, and I never really checked it out, uh, and I didn't um, double check before now because I wanted to ask you. And there we go. Steve Harris was actually a bit of a reggae fan then. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't I have imagined. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't have imagined. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. It was one of those things that, that, that when I was told, I don't remember if Steve Lazarus was the one. Steve Lazarus. Steve Lazarus. Steve Lazarus was the one. Yeah, Steve Lazarus. One of his brothers-in-law, and of course the, the guy who took the secretary of the fan club after Keith Wilford stepped down, Commonly known as Last. Last. Of course, he was the one who told me. Okay, cool. He's last room. He's last room. He was the one who told me that he used to. <laughs> that he used to like reggae. Which, I mean, I could be wrong, of course, we were talking about this. But yeah, it has those two, those two elements, uh, kind of horror, uh, dramatic horror, or uh, mystery uh, lyrics about it, and the musical influences, you know, like those, those, those backbeat. Yep. Yeah. I would say that that's definitely uh, a Harris song. Yeah, that's cool because not all songs are. Yeah, considering what uh, you can't always trust what it says 
you know, in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been through yeah, that have, quite a lot. I have a, a good amount of examples. Right. Uh, what do you think about my theory? Why did they decide to speed it up? Is it because they had heard stuff like, uh, you know, Motorhead or Judas Priest or something, and they wanted to catch up with that full-on speed? Or do you think it was could have been someone else else's yeah, idea to, to yeah, speed it up? Have... Because it's quite a significant speeding up. It's almost double tempo, right? Yes, yes. The way yes, it ended yes. up. What's your theory concerning that? As a matter of fact, uh, his will for said that, that they ruined the song because he, he, he loved the, the, that groove way and when they sped it up, speed it up he said, no, they ruined the song. Hmm. Uh, just uh, repeat who said that? I didn't catch it. Keith Wilford. What's his uh, job? Keith Wilford was uh, the guy that was kind of responsible of carrying the, the fan club, the official fan club ah, from, gotcha. from 79 until 1994. Oh, wow. He was the guy I asked him, well, once again, while writing the book, uh, about the versions and his story with the band and stuff. And we got to the point where he said, uh, when, when floating uh, became purgatory, I thought it was awful. I mean, the, the speed of it uh, ruined the song. Yeah, I can see that, you know, because sometimes, you know, I... I of course, I heard Purgatory first. That's the version I'm used to. So the other one is a cool. I actually think it sounds good, the, the floating version. But if you look at a song mm-hmm. like, that has nothing to do with this, but the, the Four Horsemen, uh, Metallica, and then there's the Mechanics. The Mechanics is ah, considerably yeah, faster. Uh, it was before, though. So it's the other way around. But I cannot uh-huh, listen uh-huh. to it because I'm used to the Four Horsemen tempo. So it of sounds course. stupid. So I can and definitely the lyrics, understand. And the lyrics I, are not the same. Also, I know the mechanics lyrics are horrible. Let's not even get in there. <laughs> <laughs> My jaw shanks crank and uh, <laughs> like it's a horny mechanic. <laughs> no one wants to hear about that. But uh, yeah, you should check out my other podcast for that stuff. Uh, there's plenty of that in there. But mm. anyway, uh, uh, that song I can't stand when it's quicker because I'm used to it slower. And that's less of a speed difference. The speed difference from floating to purgatory. So I actually, I understand this guy whose name escapes me. This important guy, Cliff Rifford. Cliff Richard, Richard? And Will, Wilford. Okay, Wilford. Sorry, sorry, Wilford. I understand you, though. I understand how if you're used to a song and you like the groove, and then it's double the speed, uh, I can't buy that, you know, even though I love the speed of it it's very fast as well for you know or 81 you know it's before thrash it's before yeah. that whole genre and probably quite influential on those guys you know dave mustaine james hetfield slayer guys mm-hmm. uh, etc <laughs> they must have listened to this and they were you know head banging away in the room yeah throwing around know. pillows you know having a pillow fight <laughs> <laughs> floating around This song, uh, it got played 76, 78, 77. Uh, yeah, it made it until 78. And what happened? Uh, punk, we all know this story. Punk, punk came in uh, 77. Uh, these guys were playing like all fast, uh, 
the tunes were fast. Then it worked, and Steve Harris eventually talked about it and said, "Okay, uh, we're starting to sound like every other band. We don't have like uh, anything new to offer." Just for context, are we now in the late seventies? Like uh... yeah, late seventies. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. cool. Dennis Wilkos being in band, so we're talking about uh, middle of '77, uh, mm -hmm. right at the beginning of '78. So the, that's so, right uh, at the cusp of punk when it really hit, like '77 exactly. is the year, right? It happened exactly. in many yeah, places yeah. around the world, even here uh, in Sweden. We had our movement, so. But yeah, let's get yeah. back there. Let's get back there. Continue. Steve so, yeah, and Wilcox, yeah. they're talking about them becoming a boring band. Is it, is it something yeah. like that? or a standard no, rock band or standard rock band? Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you know, they're just sounding like every other rock band. So, uh, what do we have to do? And and Steve Harris, yeah, this was Steve Harris' idea, because that, that's what even Wilcox, who we know is not the best friend of Steve Harris right now, uh, he's told me this himself. Harris said, okay, uh, we have to speed up the songs to sound like more of, of like a, a punk band or contemporary yeah. at least huh? yeah 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 did he actually use uh, the word punk because we all know steve doesn't like to use it anymore yeah, but did yeah, he use yeah, it yeah. then you think do you think he said <laughs> we want to sound uh, they said of course we can't know this but do you think he said let's play faster to sound fresh or do you think yeah. he actually said let's try to sound like more like a punk band that's very interesting like uh division <sighs> of course we that's, can't know right but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He but, but, but he definitely said we need to speed up the songs. That that did happen. Yes, yes. Punk had a big play in it. Doesn't matter if, yeah. he, if he likes it or not. That's how it is, right? Exactly. You're always a part of of the time you're active, right? The the, the what what goes on in the music world around you will affect your music, uh, whether you want it or not, uh, right? Mm -hmm. When did floating uh, become purgatory? It, it happened between uh, when Maiden was actually was not playing. Because all the way to 78, the song was still kind of sounding the same, kind of. It was just a, a little bit faster. Okay. But once uh, we got Poliano into the band, we know that Maiden, the Maiden sound is very different from the, uh, the, the late 70s uh, yes. sound. Yes, and also, of course, Clive, so eventually the, with Clive. But yeah. first, um, because Dog Samson... Uh, refresh my memory. When when was he active in the band? Doug uh, Samson entered the band uh, right uh, in the middle of '78. Okay. Final concert uh, made in place in, in '78 happens on April 8th. Damery tells that was the last concert that uh, Barry Perkins, Steve Harris, and uh, and Dennis Wilson played. Mm -hmm. So at that concert, Harris already has called Doug Samson to check out the band because Harris already knew that Dennis was going, Dennis was going his way and he was going his way. And so, yeah, in April 78, uh, Harris invites Doug Samson and says, uh, I want to keep Maiden going with you in the band. All the way... Uh, to the end of 78 and 79 is basically three guys, Dave Murray, Steve Harris, Doug Thompson. Mm -hmm. And Doug Thompson was with him uh, almost a year because his last concert was December 19, uh, 1979. Yeah, and obviously on the Soundhouse tapes. 
credited, uh, credited on it as well. Unlike uh, Wopram, Terry Wopram, who's not credited, right? <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. You can totally hear another guitar yeah, style. The, uh, the, the guy, the, the other guitarist in, in the Soundhouse tapes is Paul Cairns. Paul Cairns. Paul Cairns, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I got reminded yeah. only two weeks ago, but it's so many names. Paul Cairns. Yeah. You know, Paul, 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 Paul. If they only had credited him, I wouldn't forget. <laughs> you know? he, he, has, he also plays really good. You know, poor guy. Yeah. He plays well. Paul Kearns. Yes, he does. Paul Kearns, yes. yes he he was actually only in Prowler. We kind of repeated that, and I already lost it. Poor guy. And he's also named, yeah. he's named Paul. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul Dickinson. Paul There's Diana. a lot of Paul. Paul Kearns. There's a lot of Pauls. A lot of Pauls. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So anyway, where were we? The band is getting faster. We're yeah. getting right to the beginning of the 80s. Of course, Judas Priest is going big. Yeah. So between of 78 and 79, every song of Iron Maiden gets sped up and for shorter or faster. So yeah, that, that, that's when that. And during those years, you know, Stained Class opens with Exciter. You get Overkill comes out as well. I'm not sure you heard it, but mm. everyone knew it, right? It's a strong album mm-hmm. and it's faster. So, uh, you know, I would probably have sped up as well. Curious intro riff. To me, it always sounded like a robot riff. On the intro riff of the tricky. It's in B minor, this track. Not too many B minor songs. I think we mentioned it in uh, Lightning Strikes twice, perhaps. Uh, Perhaps. And there's parts of Prisoner, I think, that might be there. Uh, And um, it's also, uh, like, harmonized through the verses, which is quite rare. Which is something, like... Not terribly far away from uh, the trooper. It's a similar type color, but with a different picking pattern uh, and, of course, a, a different key. So, sounds very maiden, I would say. Definitely. Uh, the underneath harmony that I think 
Adrian plays. It's quite interesting to hear because you don't mm, really you don't really stuff. recognize the song in that one. It's very no pentatonic, very basic, and then at a top yeah. you have Dave, of course. What you actually hear in, in that main melody. And I think Clive is also killing it here. He's, oh, yeah. he's massively tight, massively tight. Uh, oh, like, man, <laughs> that, 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 that drums, man. Which is uh, almost like a hardcore D beat, you know, like hardcore punk. Mm. Yeah, of course, there's also a specific artwork for the single with um, the kind of crumbling uh, uh, devil that turns into Eddie, I guess. You should see it from that. Uh, yeah. It could also, of course, be Eddie crumbling into the devil, but I wouldn't think so. I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's the devil crumbling into Eddie. But, uh, and uh, this was supposed to be an album cover or something? That's the story behind it. That's the, the, the official story behind it. But there's a, 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 I, have, I happen to know the real story about it. Usually, an album gets two singles. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, mm -hmm. it's the third single out of an album. What's going on here? It's such a single, too. Like, Purgatory and Genghis Khan. What a weird seven-inch. And cool, very cool. Mm. Exactly. So we got Women in Uniform, then comes Twilight Zone. They already have two pieces of singles released. Why do they need a third single? Yes. Why? Right. Why? So what's going on? Uh, what's going on? Uh, Maiden, from the very beginning, wanted to have a continuing story uh, told by, the, the, by their covers. You know? That's why, I mean, that's why we get the, the whole yellow era of Derek Ricks. Mm -hmm. First, Red and uh, Iron Maiden, Sanctuary, Women in uniform. Then, uh, what connects women in uniform with with, with the Twilight Zone, the the whole uh, women and stuff? Why do we need a third single? What happens? Uh, Killers tour. Adrian says this in an interview I have, and I quote in, in my book. Uh, in in June 1981. Harris already has uh, the idea and uh, and the riff uh, and uh, the the idea of of the song that came out as the number of the beast. Mm. And by then, uh, they say uh, I don't know actually how this works because I know it happens also with Power Slave. We all know that by by the end of '83, Maiden already kind of knows that the next album will have. Uh, power slave on it because Bruce had it. Yeah. We, all right. So this happens also in '81. Uh, by the end of the, the Killers tour, uh, Harris kind of knows. Oh, I have this song that 
probably is going to call. It's going to be called Number of the Beast. So we need something to connect uh, the whole beast idea, the whole demon idea with the next cover. So what way, what way are we going to release it? That's great. Why? Uh, and there was discuss. I uh, discussed this with another, uh, another person. Why or, or what does this cover say about purgatory? If purgatory is a place where you go between heaven and hell, this cover does this cover uh, tell us something? Not really. No. 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 It's just to introduce the devil. It's just to introduce the devil character. So it, it, it has some connection with the next single. With the next album, that's interesting. That's really that's really cool. I, that would never thought never thought that was the case. But it goes down in history as the lowest chart single Iron Maiden has ever released because yeah. it, it didn't get to it didn't offer anything new. It's just just preparing getting his scan. Everybody already had it to actually release it. They just release it because they want to connect the the the, the whole story of Eddie with the next album. Thinking of an age-old dream, places I've never seen, fantasies times lived before, I split my brain, melt through the floor. So last time we did a song together, it was Prowler, yes. and uh, there, there, there's more substance lyric-wise in this one little bit here than the entire of that song. <laughs> He's not reeling around anymore. He's not reeling around. It's like thinking of an age-old dream and a place he's never seen. This is quite, there I say, it's quite beautiful. This also, bit. the guy from Prowler, when he died, maybe he went to Purgatory, and then this is, this is the continuation of that story. Yeah, he got in touch uh, with his deeper emotions or something, but yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. What about you guys? I think this first uh, paragraph is, I would say it's quite beautiful. I like it. It's nice. It even uh, sounds good, like thinking of an age-old dream, places I've never seen. It has a nice flow yeah. to it. Yeah. What is that split my brain? Not through the floor. I don't know what that's... I mean, yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, that sounds... That sounds uh, out there, you know. It is. It's poetic. Yeah, it is. and still horrific in a cool way. You know, it's like horror poetry or something. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I want to know. I'm just curious because all right. So we have. I'm just going to pull up some other. I'll, I'll, so the next bit here we have. Um, uh, over clouds, my mind will fly forever. Now I can't think why my body tries to leave my soul. Is it time? I just don't know. Those are very good lyrics. Is, uh, is it but, me? But I, I actually it was even better with yours. Is it time? Is it time? <laughs> I just don't oh, know. sorry. Yeah, just yeah that, that's actually, that, that, almost even better. That's the old dyslexia um, kicking in. Um, I mean, it reminds us, right, Eric, of some songs, some lyrics rather that we've gone through. Well, when, I'm gonna. I, it reminds me of something specific. See if I can find it. Um, I was thinking about having come wait uh, a little bit, and also every time uh-huh. there's like you, ten songs at least where he says, "Is this real?" Or just a crazy dream. And yeah. this is almost like a, the, an early version of that. Is it me? Yeah. I just don't know. Uh, right? Well, in the song uh, Thin Line Between Love and Hate, uh, heart, uh, because here there's a bit of, uh, let's see, uh, my mind will fly. And in Thin Line Between Love and Hate, he sings, heart will die, my soul will fly. Mm-hmm. Over clouds. Yeah. Well, he doesn't sing that now. He does here, yes. Yes. Over clouds. In terms of message, I don't think it's very en- encrypted or very hard to read, really. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite close to what Luis told us. 
at the top of the episode. Yeah. But I think it's nicely done. And I mean, I trust you, Lewis. So if you say this is a Steve Harris song, I'm sure it is a Steve Harris song. But if in, in I would normally be suspicious when I see these kind of, you know, lyrics that are... Actually, these lyrics do remind me of later Steve stuff. So it kind of shakes mm. out, right? Yeah. Uh, if yeah, I look at go. Strange there World, you, you know, if you look at Strange World, doesn't really sound like Steve's words. Not to me. But <laughs> they are. They are. That's an interesting thing you're, you're, you're presenting there. We have to remember this. Uh, uh, I mean, when this song was written, uh, uh, Harris has... Uh, I don't know, like two years of writing songs, or maybe a year or something. We could discuss like all night about how songs are actually written. Uh, does the drummer that comes with a beat deserves the credit in a song, or does it not? Uh, uh, maybe if if you can play guitar, but you actually suggest someone like. I don't know, play this song like uh, Barracuda or like certain songs. Did you wrote actually the song or was the guitarist that actually played the song and you say, yeah, 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 that, that, that's it. That's the riff I, I was thinking. So, what, and why do I bring this up? Because the, the, first, the first songs Iron Maiden uh, played, how they came to be. Well, of course, we have Harris like coming with lyrics and probably certain uh, rhythm parts, and it it was, it was up to to uh, uh, the first two guitarists, uh, Terry and oh, this is the their name escapes me, but the first two guitarists, mm -hmm. they also contribute to to the songs. Now, does that mean they deserve a, a, a writing credit? Mm, I don't know. I don't know how much input they actually gave. Right. I mean, right. I remember one of the guitarists, and once again, the name is Casey at the moment, that he said, I came with up with the riff from Iron Maiden. Bam, ba, 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 dum, bam, bam, ba, ba, dum. The theme yeah. song. The, yeah. the ice cream he truck said, of horror. He said, yeah, he said that. He said that. He said, I came up with the riff. But with the other songs, they're, they're kind of like a, a collective effort, you know? I studied this a lot. Since, like I'm, I, I have been a songwriter, and I also helped producing and in songwriting. Mm -hmm. So I studied it a lot, and it's really up to, it's really up to the band right. what deserves a credit and what doesn't. So it's a, mm -hmm. an internal deal, right? Like there's yeah. this normal, this, this practice, you know, standard practice, which is like the words and the actual chords that move beneath them. But that's very traditional, right? Mm. You move on towards... Uh, thrash metal or even heavy metal uh, there might not be that many chords it's just a riff is then the riff a song credit not necessarily mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just like you said it doesn't necessarily warrant a credit usually the lyrics will and the backbone of the song but it's really up to every band really yeah. to decide like you have uh, Lennon McCartney for example they didn't write all those songs together they decided uh -huh. to put both names on all the songs or uh, Hetfield yeah. Ulrich did the same. Yeah, yeah. A band like The Doors, they put every member on every song. So it's really an eternal deal. And uh, I think Iron Maiden did quite a bit of dealing as well, right? I know yeah, they paid of someone off of for Sanctuary. I know. 300 British pounds yeah, or something? Yeah. yeah, yeah right? But prior. Yeah. Very hard to come in and say this, is, this and that and this and that. All we can do like when we nerd out is we can yeah. look at, does this sound like Steve? Does this word sound like Steve and uh, does this music? Right? Yeah, exactly. As we said, 
that you can see Harris writing this Actually, because can, yeah. the, 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 the out of body experiences and stuff. Mm-hmm. So without discussing it, I will just drop some songs from the first two records and you will tell me if you believe Steve wrote them lyrics or okay. music. And uh, we're, we're not going to like argue at all. We just go with, uh, I, I'm just curious. So, okay, here we go. Prowler. Did Steve do no. the lyrics? No. no. Dennis Wilcox, I think. Yes. He was the Prowler, kind of, you know. And yeah, what, about the, yeah. what about the music in Prowler? Do you think Steve did that? Uh, no. All right. No. Sanctuary? No, Sanctuary, no. Definitely no. not. That's a Bob Fire song. Entirely no. Bob Sawyer song. Right. Neither lyrics nor riffs, probably. Because the riff no. doesn't sound anything like a Maiden riff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, forwarding? Running free. What do you think? Ah, running free, yes. It's it's definitely a, a Paul Diano and Steve Harris song. Right. Remember tomorrow, same thing, I, I believe. Uh, Paul Diano and Steve Harris. Remember tomorrow, yeah, exactly. It was written in 79 between Paul and, and, and Steve, yes. And here's the big one, Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> ah, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, yeah, the lyrics are Harris's. Uh, with a little input, uh, yeah, the final lyrics are with a little input of Wilcock. I don't know how, how much of input. I don't think that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, musically, mm, it's been argued, uh, that the, the, the actual introduction of the song, uh, was an idea from Tony Moore, the okay. keyboard, the keyboard player. Mm-hmm. So I will say entirely Harry. It definitely has helps uh, from. Well, we have to remember, Phantom of the Opera uh, was written uh, or came to be. Uh, started being written at the very end of '77 and was mm-hmm. first played uh, on those last concerts of '78. Right. So every guitarist like. Dave Murray and Bob Sawyer and Terry Rapman had, had, had input in the song. Right. But uh, Terry Rapram, I always get his last name wrong, Rapram had, had, had a big influence on the song. He was the first guitarist that put everything on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's what we've been saying too. And I, I, I always yeah. say like it's still kind of Steve Harris's masterpiece because he kind of saw it through, put it together. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, not to linger, because that will take all night. So Transylvania, yeah, yeah, is yeah. that a Steve song? Transylvania, uh, yes, is, uh, it's a Steve song. I yeah. feel so. With too. input of the first guitarist. Sounds like his but, bass lines. It could be him, right? Whistling, maybe yeah. even whistling, you know? Uh-huh. Okay, Strange yeah. World. <laughs> Strange World, uh, no, it's not a Harris' song. It's a Paul Day song. Paul Day. Paul Mario Day. Yeah. A beautiful song. Looking forward to that one. Okay. This one, yeah, is, a, yeah. this one is a funny one, too. This one is a tough cookie. Charlotte the Harlot. Is it actually a Dave Murray solo song? I can't believe it is. It must be Wilcox in there, right? Yeah, it is. Exactly. That's and it. They, and they were, fight, they were fighting over a girl as well to make it even more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Him and yeah, Dave, right? And there's just Dave's credits. Is that like his revenge? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Wilk of Murray, definitely. And then we got the title track, Iron Maiden. You talked about that. Well, you mentioned that. 
maybe yeah, someone yeah. wrote it. maybe someone wrote the lick yeah maybe yeah yeah and the lyrics it's not that much lyrics just a strange verse yeah exactly and a strange chorus and then <laughs> yeah. we, we get to Ratchild. do you think that's a harris tune Ratchild, yeah that's that's the harris it's a harris song lyrics probably it, it was probably the first iron maiden song created you think so well, uh, yeah, well, maybe after burning ambition then maybe it's really old. Yeah, but Burning Ambition wasn't ri- wasn't uh, written in Iron Maiden. It was written uh, before yeah. Iron Maiden. Smiler or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to touch base on some of those tracks. Um, of course, then on Killers, we got a lot of, like, Innocent Exile. Uh, that's uh, Harry's bass line, I'm sure. Who wrote the lyrics? I'm not as sure about. Maybe it's Steve. Mm. You know, maybe it's Steve. We don't have to go through them all, but it's very interesting with these... Uh, Ghost credits, as we call them, and of course yeah. you got you got a lot of information. So I wanted to check <laughs> check your opinion on some of those. Uh, yeah, cool, cool. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that because that's something like when I tell people, they sometimes they get like, "Really? You telling me this on a Friday night? That is not a Steve Harris song." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think we're gonna get comments on on this episode. People say, "Oh, this guy doesn't know things. How come Harry? If it says Harris, Harris wrote this whole ah, thing." We, we said, got pretty oh, nice no, listeners, yeah. you know. We got nice listeners. So All right, open-minded. <laughs> it's interesting because, like, let let's let let's say it sort of comes to light for some reason something happened. So some sort of big reveal that he didn't write like half the songs, but he wrote like, he wrote like fucking number of the beast wrote how he wrote like the trooper, all these kind of songs. And like, you know, most people don't have one the trooper <laughs> in them. The fact that he has multi, the fact that, you know, I think it's fine that, you know, like, in a, okay. So the early days, there was a bit of, you know, ghost credits and whatnot. It doesn't take anything away. From, I mean, pr- probably the people who <laughs> yeah, are exactly. on them might, or, or aren't credited yeah. have a different opinion. Yeah, well, I, but, I you know, I agree. Um, you know, I stand by that thing that, that yeah. Phantom of the Opera, my happens to be my favorite song in the world, is still Steve's song. But of course, yeah. you know, he yeah. had help yeah. along yeah. the way. Uh, I have one exactly. more actually that I want to ask you, Louis. Drifter, do you think it's a Steve tune? Drifter. Oh, man. Uh... Rock and roll. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's strange because now that, that you make me think about it, uh, the lyrics aren't what 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 Harris will commonly wrote. Cuddle up with you tonight, indeed. Yeah, uh, it's a very good question. Hmm. Uh, Jesus, Drifter. It's interesting hmm. because you both, you might think those lyrics kind of sound more like from Paul. Yes, they do. But maybe Paul would have gotten credits, seeing as he did on like Running Free. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, That's uh, Remember Tomorrow. Very, very interesting question. Yeah, very, yes. very good question. We'll we'll regroup in a later time, on another date, and we like when we're done with Killers, we we'll try and you know go really deep on that. So cool, you can, cool. You can have yeah. some time to research in between. Eric, uh, how yeah. are we on the lyrics? There, did we do them? Uh, there, it's not this typical thing when they just repeat oh, yeah. the same verse over and over. There's actually some more lyrics, right? No, so so let's 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 blaze through those here. So we got we got a bit more to go. So. Uh, Memories rising from the past, which I assume is, to be fair, where else they're going to rise from? Their memories. They can't be from the future. <laughs> He's remembering back. He's remembering back the memories. That's what it was. That's what it was. Well, <laughs> well anyway, here's here here the the memories are rising from the past, rather than the future, rather than the future or the present. I the guess. future past, the future shadows overcast. There we go. 
something's clutching at my head. Through the darkness, I'll be led. It's actually good. I like them. I like them. What do you think? Yeah, these are very good. I mean, I, I made fun of the thing in the beginning, but that's 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 nitpicking. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then here we get, then we get to the first kind of um, sort of like what what I initially the first time I heard this thought was, oh, this is the. Uh, it's like a double chorus song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. So, oh, another time, another place. Oh well, another smile on another face. When you see me floating up beside you. You get the feeling that all my love's inside of you. Good stuff. I mean, also that's powerful. That that chord. It is I mean, very like, cool. Where it goes to D minor as well, so it uh, modulates yeah. as he likes yeah. to do from time to time. And I think it's a very anthemic chorus, very heavy metal. You know, uh, a lot of bands would probably have listened to that, making their own choruses. And then we get to the uh, so the, the chorus chorus. Yes. Please take me away, take me away so far away. Simple but good. Yeah, very effective in the situation. Goes for the tom tom, right? I don't know if it's in Spain or in Tromsø, yeah, yeah. but there's a very loud motor, yeah. Oh, I see. The cats are driving motorcycles around the apartment, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, no, it's okay. Yeah, no problem. Uh, no, but it, for me, this is like, this is the kind of song that I think that when I initially heard it, I thought, well, they, they have to do this live at some point. I got to hear this with, you know, I want to hear, I want to hear this one. And I still think that if they bust it out now, it would sound really amazing. It could sound really cool, especially now when they have um, three guitars, three guitars, but also they have, they don't really often these days rush up, zoom off and into getting, they don't, they don't play too fast in the same way they would have, you know, younger days, like, like there's something where they just really just fucking almost blast. Yeah, like Bruce's first gig. I, uh, you're very right. Yeah, like this song is already fast, but it's fa- even faster live. Yeah. They, they wouldn't do that but today. I think right? that they, they, today they could pace it. And that, they, that that could sound really cool uh, if they did that now. Agreed, agreed. We used to play it with my first tribute band. Very fun song to play. Very energetic. And okay, also, no, we, have, we did yeah. the three guitars thing with that band. And this song is full of guitars. Yeah. There's like, a, un- underneath Davis' solo, there's a harmony, for example. So, you know, it's so many guitars. Mm-hmm. There's guitars. Left, right, center. I think that, yeah, I mean, this is... This is um, when I was many, though I sort of knew at the guitar, I dabbled trying to figure this one out and using tabs and whatnot. And I think the tabs I was looking at weren't particularly accurate, but I did find this a bit tricky, you know, way back then at least in the, in the beginning. Yeah.
The part sounds to me like when people are walking in a line and they got their hands on each other's shoulders. Whatever that is. <laughs> you know? I mean, a conga line? Yeah, conga line. It's good. Yeah, there was no head, I guess, but also, to be fair, in the lyrics, he does say, so far away. So far What can we say in summary, Louis? What do you think? Is this is this song a heavy metal classic for for the books, <laughs> uh, or is it just a deep cut, just a nerd song? Uh, hmm, no, actually, it's 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 a classic. Yeah, it's a very catchy song. Actually, I remember my brother, uh, who I wouldn't say is a Maiden fan. Uh, he likes heavy metal and stuff, but he's a he 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 is not a big heavy metal fan. Uh, the first song I think he liked from Iron Maiden was actually Purgatory. I actually remember he liking a lot of cool that songs. So there you go. It, it's definitely one one of those songs that makes you want to listen more of Maiden. I think it's a classic. I think it's more than just a nerdy deep cut that you know uh, we like. I think it's actually a spearheading heavy metal and and you know moving the whole genre forward what do you think eric i think that it's uh i kind of i sometimes have difficulty sort of looking out looking outwards in in the sense that i don't know that if i'd be able to necessarily understand if it's a, a it's a an actual heavy metal classic or just like for me something that means a lot but i'm going to say uh, with having said that i'll say that i i do think this is a this is a, there's no the only reason this hasn't isn't as big as some of the other sort of quote unquote classics that are out there is it just doesn't have didn't I guess didn't have the exposure. I to say in it the top half of the Maiden song discography. What do you think? Is Purgatory? Is it there? Is it better than half of Maiden's tunes? Maybe on the top half. I don't know. Jesus, that's. I mean, it represents an era, definitely. Mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. The, so so <laughs> yeah yeah it could be on the top on the top middle yeah i think it could be on the top middle and i'm looking forward to listen about that list yes yeah you will have to join in for the final yeah, discussion we, as well because we need more yeah, opinions we need more opinions drifter and this song kind of uh can be put together because they're both the, like really fast and they, they have that the, the upbeat yeah, and a bit of the melancholy as well. Yeah. The intro riff of Drifter has that. Exactly. And I love yes, Drifter, right. which, by the way, I also remember is a 76 song that used to be called Drifting. So. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 that stuck in here like, oh man, when, when was Drifter written? And Innocent Exile was Endless Pit, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. By the way, the music wasn't Steve Harris' idea. It was Dave Smith's idea when he was still an influence. Oh, Dave Smith. The, oh, yeah, the band, The Influence. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, the, the, yes. the main riff 
wasn't Harris's idea. Possibly the idea was Dave Smith's. Yeah, I mean, next time we have you on, uh, I think we got time to do the, the rest of the songs that I didn't ask you about this time. <laughs> you know, because we don't want information overload either. <laughs> either, you know, and of course, anyone can also turn to your book, Detailed Discography of the Beast. Well, Which me and yeah. Henrik, we usually say it's not a discography, yeah. but it's very detailed. <laughs> it's very detailed. Well, we can suggest a new name, actually, because there, there are at least two or three more volumes coming out. So you can suggest mm. a name. I mean, I like the name. I like That's the cool. name. Even though it's not a discography, okay. I still like it because it has a nice ring to it. Uh, oh, I guess the detailed lexicon of the beast, but uh, maybe you should just stay with discography. Okay. Okay. Cool. What have you been listening to lately? I've been listening to, uh, I, I mean, once again, this is related to Maiden. Uh, I'm currently writing uh, what, a third book about the, the history of Maiden, which covers the 1984 to yeah. up to 1983 era of the band. Uh, I'm currently writing the chapter of the 90s, in 1990. So oh, I've been listening to grunge bands like Soundgarden and, mm. and Alice in Chains and and mm. Pearl Jam so because sometimes when I I write up about a certain era I'm trying to uh, to go back what was the the, the, the vibe uh, of, of that time right musically yes Bruce in particular loved Soundgarden he loved Soundgarden yes yeah. and he thought that Chris Cornell was a great singer I also think that Chris Cornell's voice is, is, is was amazing. Yeah, yeah. For me lately, not very advanced here. It's not going to be super adventurous today. It's going to be very heavy metal, actually. Mm. So uh, this uh, this record. Right here, uh, accept. Let's say oh, metal oh, heart, yeah, yeah. metal heart by accept. Uh, it's been, I mean, not for the first time in my life, but I kind of dug it up, and it's a great record. Hmm. Uh, very cool. Uh, Wolf Hoffman's guitar sound is uh, quite unparalleled in in just heaviness, you know. We need to have a Spanish sign-off today. Spanish titles, do you remember any? Is it like Septimo Hijo de Septimo Hijo? Or what is it like? Yeah. Something like that? Uh, assassinos, which is killers, of course. Assassin, like assassins, yeah. yeah. A, a, really, a really funny one, it was uh, Bebe Colérico, which is rash child. <laughs> Colérico, like choleric. Which is, yeah. it's really mad. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Follow your heart, and we'll be, it'll be fine. <clears throat> right. Uh, until next time, from all of us to all of you, up the irons. Skull from the north, and... Desde Puerto para siempre. Because you mentioned Queensryche, you got uh, Chris DeGarmo, and yeah. now I can't remember the other guy, but they're like... A Paul Kearns. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> 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 yeah, it was definitely Paul Kearns. 